All right, everyone, welcome to Lead Difference Experiment with Friends. Uh, today, I have my friends with me, Kyron, who is going to be along for the ride for pretty much the whole thing. Thanks for having me. And most of you would know him, uh, but our my friend who you don't know, who you're getting to meet today, is my friend Ethan Luck. Now, you may not know who Ethan is, but you may have seen him at a concert or a music venue or some kind of music festival because this guy just lurks around. He's a musician extraordinaire. He's a podcaster. Ethan, can you give me what's your what's the name of your your best podcast that you do? Your favorite one? Oh, uh, that I do. Um, yeah, I have two. I have one called the Pirate Satellite, which I do by myself. But the main kind of full time one I do is an all Metallica podcast called uh, Metal Up Your Podcast. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's super. I mean, it's but, it's it's very specific. It's not it's not for the general podcast listener. That's like I want to find something new. It's it's you got to be a, a, a full on fan if you really want to enjoy it. So so let's stick to that, because one of the things that we're going to be doing with is exploring the themes of uh, people who've, who've done something a little different with their life. That's been a very deliberate kind of like a future that they've had to create for themselves where not a lot of people become professional musicians because. A, it's not easy. No. <laughs> uh, and B, it takes a lot of sacrifice and work and all those other things. And so I want to talk a little bit about that journey uh, that you've been on over the last third, 25 years, maybe, is it? Uh, I I started touring when I, uh, let's see, when I was 18 years old. So I've, I've been touring this well because of the pandemic. I'm not touring right now, of course, but if I was touring in, in 2021, uh, this would be my 24th year touring. Every once in a while, I'm kind of reminded like, oh my gosh, that tour that I still have vivid memories of was in 1999 or 2000, you know, and that's, that doesn't seem like a long time ago, but it is a long time yeah. ago now. And and not only that, but like that long for anyone of our generation in one career is actually extraordinary. Unheard of. Right. <laughs> I'm curious though. Like I think, you know you, the the bands that you've you've played with like the OC Supertones, Demon Hunter, MXPX, Reliant K, and you know others. Uh, your music style you would describe as uh, like punk rock. I know that you're not um, upset about writing the random reggae song, and mm-hmm. as not as I understand it, yeah, <laughs> like in in Nashville, which is like a country music epicenter. Yeah. You're almost like this person that doesn't quite fit in the culture around them. How do you, how Not do at you all. kind of, how, <laughs> how do you work with that? Uh, I mean, there's nothing really to work here because, you know, for instance, my last solo album I put out was a, like a reggae record and I was really proud of it and really happy with it. And that's, you know, music that I hadn't really, played or written in a long time since I was in that band, the Supertones. And I just kind of felt like I really want to write that kind of stuff again. I miss it. I miss having horns on an album and a lot of like organ and cool keyboards and stuff like that. So I just went for it like head first, not even considering that I live in a city that there's zero reggae scene here. There's not, it's not like <laughs> there's a, there's a, you know, Jamaican club down the street that, that plays this kind of music, you know? Um, the closest thing I would thought you were going to say there's a Jamaican club down the street that plays like country music. <laughs> that would be awesome. I, and I would, I would do my best <laughs> so get them to play reggae music. But I mean, the closest thing would be like if, if I take, you know, a bunch of my vinyl records and I go DJ at a, a local bar or something and play that kind of music that like you go into any 
club or bar in, in anywhere in Nashville, you're not going to hear that. And it's not a thing here. I mean, there's been, I think, a few reggae and ska bands to kind of be based out of Nashville, but there's not really anything like that here. So, so back to your original question, there wasn't really anything to like manage about it. You know, I think if I was, if I'd made that record and still lived in Southern California, it'd be a whole different story. Maybe I would have had some traction on it and actually maybe been able to like do a little bit of West coast touring, you know, just under my own name, but it's pretty much impossible in this part of the country. <laughs> hmm. You you've gone on tour with uh, Kings of Leon mm-hmm. and a few other bigger bands as well, which I imagine has been a lot of fun. But you know, I'm, I'm imagining there's a, a version of you that's 14, right? Yeah. Can you remember back that far? <laughs> yes. And the room I'm sitting in right now, which is my home studio, this is everything I wanted in my 14 year old room to be. <laughs> Just, that's and, and yet from from your perspective, you, you can't. There's all in front of me where I'm sitting at my desk. Is just there's ten guitars hanging on the wall, and there's some behind me. There's one on the couch right there. There's stuff all over the walls, you know, framed posters of bands and artists I love. And this is what um, this is what I wanted when I was that age. Actually, I have this photo here. I did not plan this. I found this recently. It's a Polaroid of me in my bedroom, probably around that age, thirteen or fourteen. And it's me trying to look really tough with a bunch of like heavy metal posters behind me. So there you go. <laughs> my sister and her kids moved to Nashville a little over a year ago. And the first time my niece came into this room, she looked around and she said, it looks like an angry teenage boy's room. And I said, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going for. Been aiming for that since I was a teenager. <laughs> I finally got there when I hit 40. <laughs> exactly. Did you actually think it was possible? Like, did that, like you say, this is what you always wanted to be a touring musician, all that stuff. Did, did it feel realistic for you as a 14 year old kid? Cause I know your dad was a pretty prolific musician, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. My dad, um, he still plays at home, you know, but, um, yeah, my dad was, uh, primarily, you know, did a lot of local stuff, played, you know, he was like in bar bands and stuff in Southern California, uh, based out of Long Beach and, uh, which if the, the Aussies listening don't know that's just South of LA. But, um, but yeah, uh, he did a little bit of touring, doing cover stuff, did some like USO gigs where they would go play at like um, Air Force bases in other countries and stuff like that. So he got a little bit of the taste of touring. And then, but when I was a teenager, I didn't know that was really a thing. Like I knew that, I knew that, you know, bands would come play at the local arena or amphitheater or clubs and stuff. But I don't think I went to my first like live show until I was probably. 15 or 16 at a club out in, uh, inland from, from Orange County. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know when that light bulb moment was, but as a teenager, I didn't really think that was an option. Like go on tour and make that your job. Like I'm just want to play in my band and play local bands and just play around town. And then I, I, it really, it was like my late teens is when I realized like, Oh, this could, this could be a thing. It was when I had friends of my own that, we're getting signed to record labels and then going on the road. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Or my cousin who was in this band called Havelina, they got signed to this label called tooth and L records and they went on tour. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like maybe I could do that, you know? And then it just slowly happened. You know, you play in a band and you get signed and, and you know, they promote you and people all over the country know who you are all of a sudden, not on a, on a you know, <laughs> grand level, but you know, these little punk rock shows and there's like hundred kids there and they all know who, who you are. It was the weirdest thing, you know, I, but I never thought that was an option. I just wanted to play guitar as much as possible. And then slowly started learning other instruments and drums and bass and whatever. And 
I was just obsessed with music and I just, I, that's all I wanted to do, which is why I did so bad in high school. <laughs> I did terrible. <laughs> I wasn't a dumb kid. Like I would go to the counselors and they would give me tests and all that stuff. And like, no, he's a smart kid. He's just, <laughs> his mind is over here, which is, you know, it, it still is. So uh, as a, that 14 year old version of you, um, I'm imagining you're just sitting, if you're not studying, are you just sitting at home playing guitar the whole time or what's, yeah. what's happening? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still am kind of like that. I mean, you know, earlier today I was working, I just, I'm doing extra work cause you know, my normal job is not happening right now. So yeah, I got home and you know, my wife was going to bed and I just come down here and I grab a guitar and start playing. And sometimes I'm trying to write something. Other times I'm just noodling around, just, you know, practice, you always got to practice, you know, and it's rare that, that, that a week goes by and I don't touch a guitar, let, let alone maybe a day. If we go on vacation or something, then I don't, sometimes I'll bring a smaller travel guitar with me. But if we go on vacation, that's really the only time I'm not, I, I'm, I'm skipping more than a day where I pick up some kind of instrument, you know, it's just in my blood. <laughs> so was there ever a backup plan? No, there still isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's like you, you think about other people and, and all any kind of profession outside of music, whether it's a doctor or maybe a lawyer, um, even an accountant or anything, you know, you spend so much time learning how to do that and getting better at it and practicing your craft and, and trying to be as best as you can be at that one job so that you can, you can get hired somewhere and make that your career. I did, I did the same exact thing, except it was music. So there was never a consideration of like a backup plan, you know, I mean, other, other people I know, um, like John who played with in Reliant K with me, he always dabbled in, um, you know, web development and stuff like that and coding. And so he was doing it part-time on the road for a company that his friend owned in Colorado. So for him, it, it worked out great because when we left the band and all that happened, he jumped right into a job where when all that fell apart, I was like, I gotta, I gotta keep touring. I don't know what else to do. This is what I've worked <laughs> my whole life for, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, that, a backup plan is never, most people I know in the music industry don't have a backup plan. There's just, you just, it's what you do, you know, and until you have no desire to be gone, uh, for months on end anymore, you know, um, I'm not quite there yet. So <laughs> I still enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. touring. <laughs> I remember when we met, you were working in a childcare center. I was, yeah, that's, that, that was like my job in between touring. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like I wasn't touring as full time as I do now. And it would be like maybe maybe three months out of the whole year I would go on tour. So in between all that, I, I had to find a job that was cool with me leaving from time to time. And and I worked at a, a local school, I think the before and after daycare program with kids and stuff. Two of those kids live in Nashville now. It's so <laughs> weird. And then one of them has kids and stuff. They're like actual adults now. It's so strange. I used to put them in timeout. I think that's an important thing to actually just like not cover over. You know, you're a touring musician, six foot three, six foot four, tattoos, the the look, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And this whole concept of, oh, yeah, I was looking after kids before and after school um, to, yeah. you know, to, to fill those gaps. How did you end up in that particular environment and not something else? I mean, there was other, you know, of course, other jobs I did in between that, you know, coffee shops and whatever. Uh, I worked at a Blockbuster video. You remember those? Yeah. Um, I've heard of those that was, things, that was, yes. that was kind of pre-touring, but... Uh, I had, you know, I had another friend that was a musician. Um, I don't know if you, James, if you remember Ginger Reyes. Yeah. Um, he's now married, different last name, of course. But um, she was a year older than me and she was 
also a touring musician at the time, like in a, in a all female punk rock band. And I'm, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember talking to her about trying to find a job that it was cool with me coming and going. And she recommended it. She worked at another school. And so she, so I applied uh, wherever and I went in, like covered my tattoos up. I don't, because I didn't have anything on my hands or like that. So I could, I could cover everything. I put a hoodie on or something. And, uh, and I, I got the job and I got I placed at this school and, and told him right off the bat, like, Hey, I'm a musician. I, I do shows and I tour from time to time, but I'll give you plenty of heads up. And it, they were cool with it. It worked out, you know? And so, and, and ironically, another touring musician is who recommended the job to me. That is crazy. It was Did a you enjoy job. hanging out with the kids? I loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, it was a blast, you know, and, and the, the, the people that ran that school program that I worked at, uh, technically the, the employee policy was you weren't allowed to have visible tattoos, but because we, 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 we never were around the other schools unless it was like summertime field trips, the, the staff at the, like the, the, this woman, Carol, who was the man that kind of managed the whole thing. She didn't care. And all the kids loved it. The parents didn't care. So like, I never had to cover them up. And then when we would go to like summertime, you know, and we're all going to the movies or whatever. And all the, all the schools are meeting up that have these programs. The other employees and like, and like leaders from other schools would just stare at me. Like, how is that guy an employee? Like he's got, (laughs) I didn't have as many tattoos, but I had plenty that were visible. And, um, I just got away with it. I don't know. You've actually got more tattoos than the last time I saw you, which was about seven years ago, I think. Something like that. I think the last time I was in Australia where we hung out uh, was, dude, it might have been longer, man. It was 2010 I was there with, with uh, when I was with Reliant K and we opened for Paramore. And then Soundwave. Soundwave. I think that was 2012. I yeah, think. okay. So it's, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so here's a, a fun question is along that journey, especially that starting out not sure if you're going to make it is this actually a viable thing do i how, am i just gonna to have to work at childcare? imagine those moments that you were having all the way what was the best risk or decision you made do you, do you, have you ever thought about that i mean i think the the best risk i ever took was going on my first tour um and and basically telling my parents like hey i'm dropping out of college I wasn't going to like a fancy college or anything. I, I went to like a local, we call it junior college in California or yeah. in the States called Saddleback College. And because, you know, I told my dad like, hey, I want to do music. And he's like, well, that's great. I, I want you to because I did it. And but, you know, why don't you enroll in classes and start to knock out those credits just in case you decide you want to go to a full time college, then you can at least get those out of the way. I never finished every I, I would I would sign up for classes every semester. And like two months in, you know, the band was in the time. It's like, hey, we're going on our first tour. And I was like, sweet. And I, I, <laughs> I would go drop out of the classes. And then I would tell my parents after. But, you know, it, it was a big risk just because I'd never gone on tour. I, I, I maybe played shows up the West Coast a little bit, but that's about it. So, it's weird, you know, you're gone for three or four or five days. But the first tour I ever did was like six weeks long. And it was like across the United States, like one and a half times or two times. You know, bunch of dudes in a van and trailer who've never done it before, opening for two other bands that have done it for a couple of years. So it was a big risk just because I didn't, I mean, I didn't really look at it as a risk at the time, but looking back, it was for sure. Cause I think that, I think that first tour or two I ever did probably could have, it was kind of a make or break moment. I could have gotten totally burnt after that first tour and 
been like, yeah, it's not for me. But I felt yeah. I fell in love with it right away. I, I was just like, I, I want to keep doing this. I don't care like what it takes, you know, I'll keep going. And and like I don't know how it works, but like because you said you were opening, you were opening for another band. Is that what you said? Yeah, we at the time it, this was my first touring band. I was in it was a band called the Dingies, and we signed to that. Oh, I remember them. Yeah, and we signed to that label, Tooth and Nail Records. And you know, back then that label would basically, you know, you do your record, and they would start promoting it and like get a lot of hype behind it. And then the label would kind of match you up with a couple other bands on the label. Like, hey, th- these three bands would be great as a tour package. And so right. we just got, you know, one day, like our, we had a booking agent and they just said, Hey, you guys want to do this tour? We're like, Whoa, yeah, that sounds great. You know? And it was super fun. You know, I, I still have photos from it and it was like, look, even looking at those sometimes I'm like, man, that was such a blast. Like I didn't make any money. Like I came home. Oh, so that was one of my questions. Was, was it viable financially? No, no, not at all. <laughs> like, I mean, we, our van broke down all the time. Like, you know, when you're a young touring band, you don't really take in, into consideration, like all those little costs involved. Or the unknown costs that could happen, you know, like, I mean, we crashed our van one time at like five in the morning, like, and like rolled it and got stuck in Montana for like four or five. It was terrible. And spent, did you have like gear in the van as well? In the trailer and the trailer like broke off and like rolled behind us and it was like on its side and we got out of the van or van was on its side and we all, no one had a scratch on them, thankfully, but, but yeah, you're, you're young. And I mean, all of us were in our late teens, early twenties. So it was like, we didn't know any better. We're just like, sweet, we're on the road. This is great. You know, and this is all those little things that, you know, come into play and, and all those little challenges were, you know, kind of a bummer at the time, but it's just part of it. It's part of learning how, how to tour and, and what you can put up with. And, you know, and there's a lot of people that I know that just after a couple of years are like, I can't do that anymore. That's just, I'm not, I'm not going to share a hotel room anymore. I'm not going to, be it, you know, try to get a couple hours of sleep on the floor of the van while it's going down the highway, you know? But for me, I just, I've always liked it. I'm like, and there's bad days, of course. There's terrible days. You know, there's days I've wanted to quit, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's still, like I said, I don't have a backup plan. So it's all I know is, is this is the only world I know. Um, I guess I could only equate it to somebody being in a profession for 25 years and all of a sudden that job goes away. It's like, what do I do? I was planning on doing this for another 20 years, you know, or something. So there's probably a lot of people out there that don't have backup plans. You know, I mean, you might, you know, maybe your, or maybe your backup plan is like investments or a 401k or, you know, stowing money away. It's actually a really good point where I feel like I hadn't even thought of this before, but everyone who tries to do something creative, they're always told have a backup plan. But you never hear someone who's going to university to study being an accountant hmm, to have be a, told you right. should have a backup plan. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does it does make a little more sense, I think, in, in the music industry because it's it is one of the most unpredictable industries in the world. I mean, completely, um, and very unforgiving too. I mean, there's a lot of the music industry that will that will chew you up and spit you out on the floor, you know, and then it's up to you to keep going forward if you want to, you know. So it makes more sense to tell someone like me, Hey, have a backup plan, you know? Um, <laughs> and some days it's some days I, I think to myself, maybe I should have, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have invested in that or whatever. Um, like, you know, in the current state we're in with, you know, the pandemic in the U S it's terrible. And, you know, there's not much on the horizon that looks good right now. So I'm having to like do odd jobs and go deliver packages for Amazon and stuff I don't really want to do. And, you know, but I have no choice. I have to, I have to 
and keep the lights on and pay the bills, you know, and, and that, that's the constant struggle of being a musician or being in the touring world is that, I mean, it's, it's nothing but peaks and valleys, you know, of course there's huge bands out there where it's, it's been a peak for 20 years or whatever, like the, <laughs> the cold plays of the world or the U2s of the world are kind of been a while since Bono's kind of, had a valley. Yeah. <laughs> Bono is not going to have to go deliver pizzas anytime soon, you know, <laughs> but the, I mean, the majority of, of musicians in the world are always struggling all the time. You know, some, some, you have a year, a good year or two, this is great. And then all of a sudden you have a crap year or two and you're like, man, this really sucks. Like I made such good money last year. Now I didn't, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a very unstable industry. I, part of me wants to say, I would never recommend it to anybody, but at the same time, I'd recommend it to everybody. Cause it's, I mean, it's, I've gotten to see the world, you know I mean? How many people that are, that are accountants or I, I don't know, keep going back to that and not dogging it. If you're an accountant, you're amazing. <laughs> you're better than numbers than I am. I mean, any job really, I mean, any job that's not in the music industry, I mean, how many people out there can say that they've been to 40 countries, you know, yeah. or have seen every state in the U S besides one, like it's insane. So, so that's some, I mean, and it's interesting cause that's some, you've described some valleys, but what is, what are some of the peaks that you've, you've hit along the way? Well, I met James, um, <laughs> Obviously. the biggest Obviously, peak. I've, been, I've been to Perth like three times. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the, the bigger peaks I would say are like, uh, you know, getting to play, play with a band like Kings of Leon, you know, where I got to be their auxiliary musician. If you don't know what that is, basically you're not in the band, you're not in the photos, you're not in the videos, you're not doing interviews, none of that stuff. You're just an extra guy on stage playing whatever parts they tell you to play. You're, you're out of the spotlight. You're just a shadow on stage. And I personally love that position. It's so much fun. because I have all the joy yeah. of being on stage, hearing the crowd, playing an instrument. But when the show's done, no one gives a crap who I am. Like, they don't care. <laughs> so I love that. Um, but that, that was a, a huge perk. I mean, I got to play some amazing venues with them, you know, like Red Rocks and the Hollywood Bowl. Um, I got to play on stage with Chris Martin from Coldplay at one point. Like, he's friends with those dudes. Jeez. And I met him at Soundcheck, not knowing he was going to play with the band. And so he came out on stage and played two songs. I'm like, I'm five feet away from Chris Martin playing piano and I'm playing guitar. This is so weird. That's amazing. <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it's like crazy, you know, or, or with one of my old bands, we got to play on the Tonight Show when Jay Leno still hosted it. And that was cool. And so wow. it's get you know, peaks like that or even just the travel part of it, you know, I there was a point where I, I, I don't know if I was getting burnt out or I maybe toured too much that year where, and this is very rare for me, but like I, every once in a while I'd get like, I don't care that I'm in this cool city. I just want to go sit in my hotel room and watch a movie and, and rest or whatever. And sometimes you need that for sure. But um, in general, they're like 99% of the time, like I just love traveling and being in other cities. Um and of course it's, it's comfortable travel, you know, where, you know, nowadays I'm not in a van and trailer, I'm on a tour bus or, you know, flying to places and stuff like that. So it's, it's way more comfortable. And I have my, I get my own hotel room all the time, you know, I'm not sharing a room with three or four people. And so it's, it's, it's way more comfortable. And, and, I'm, and that's something I've worked my way up towards, you know, not a lot, not, you know, people when they're 18 are getting that, but yeah, but yeah, I, now I, I just love, you know, as much as I hate flying, I, I love it once I get there. I just think even going back to the that first risk that you described actually going on that first tour, like if you yeah. – have you ever thought about 
what would have happened if you, for whatever reason, went, no, no, I'm not, not going to do that. Like it's just it's a bit too much of a jump for me, what life would have ended up being like. Man. I mean, I would still be involved in music for sure. I think I, I, think I either would have maybe stayed working at a school or I probably would have stayed working at a church or something. Because, mm. I mean, that's, I mean, touring is really what pulled me away from any kind of job in California. You know, that constantly was pulling me out of California to go on the road and stuff like that. So I was coming and going from jobs or always having to get a new job when I got home, you know. Um, that's kind of, I mean, that's, that's the other thing about touring too is that you're, there's not many industries where in the course of one year you could have like five or six jobs. You know, especially like, you know, a lot of times nowadays, I mean, as much as I'd, I'd rather be playing an instrument on stage, I'll, I'll be at tech. So I have tech for Kings Leon or Brandy Carlisle and um, a few other artists. But I mean, I'll go out and tech for this artist for three months and then I come home. And, and for those that don't know, what's his, what, what do you mean by teching? Are Sorry. you like tech support? Sorry, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I forget I'm not talking to other like musicians. <laughs> uh, a tech is basically the, the, the most people will call them roadies, even though I hate that term. But basically, you know, you're you're the ones that are setting up the gear, maintaining it, changing guitar strings. If something breaks, you fix it. Um, if you're doing your job right as a tech, then you're invisible. Then and no one should see you. But if you're on stage constantly, with the exception of maybe running up there to hand a guitar to the guy or girl you're teching for. But yeah, if you're doing your job right, then you shouldn't really be seen on stage. But techs kind of help make the show happen. In, in addition to, of course, like audio engineers and, and lighting people and video and stuff like that. But as far as the band themselves though the techs are kind of what make it go smoothly you know basically until showtime starts like everything's ready to go and then when the band's done playing for the night we tear it all down pack it up onto the next city you know so it's still to this day i mean there's times where you get a really good touring gig where maybe you uh you're on salary or you're a lot of times most touring personnel are like on a weekly rate and if you get a good enough gig a touring gig you'll have your weekly rate and then the dream is to have retainer so like if you're working for a band full-time if you're off the road for like a month or two you're still getting paid you know it might mm. be it might be ha like half of what you normally make but you're still getting paid still something and that way you know that's like the opposite of what i had to do when i was younger where i'd come home from tour and immediately have to find a job you know so, and sometimes I might have three or four touring jobs in one year for all different artists, like where you're constantly going into these new camps and meeting all new people and it start you just starting over. It's a trip, you know, you gotta, you definitely have to have the right personality for it. I mean, either that or you're going to be the biggest butthole on tour and grumpy guy on tour, you know, and I don't want to be that guy. Um, I've toured with plenty of those yeah. grumpy guys, you know, that, that should get off the road and they won't. <laughs> It's and weird, you, man. you it's produce weird, weird as well, don't you, Ethan? You're actually uh, a, a little producer. Bit. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've done any of that. You know, it's another thing. It's a little tough. Like, like I have my own home studio, but it's not big enough to like bring a whole band in here and and do stuff. Like I, I've had like just like one friend come over that's an artist. Like, hey, come over to my house and we'll record a song and I'll help you out with it or whatever. I'll do that kind of stuff I, more nowadays. When in for studio stuff, I'm I mostly am just doing like session work where I might get hired by uh, a, a producer I know in town. Like for instance, next week I'm, I'm my, my friend, Paul, who has this great, amazing studio called smokestack here in Nashville. He hires me as often as he can. 
and next week I'm going in to record bass on someone's record. I don't know who it is yet, but that's, that's what you do. Like you just show, I, I'm, I, I won't meet, meet the dude to hear any music until I show up. And then we sit there wow. and learn the song, go hack it out. Everyone puts their parts on it and then it's on to the next song. If I remember correctly, that's how you got, is that how you joined the Supertones? They just signed you to do something in the studio and then they're like, wait, this guy's really good. Let's yeah, just well, keep no, him on. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, before they became the Supertones, uh, they were like just a local band. And I was actually in the band when I was like 15. So that was one of my first tastes of traveling. We didn't go very far. It was like maybe up to like Sacramento or something like, you know, six, seven hours away. Right. But that was my first taste of like playing a good amount of shows regionally. And then they were, had all really graduated high school and wanted to like get more serious, change the band name and tour. And I was like, well, I'm still in high school. I can't, there's no way I can like tell my parents I'm going to drop out of high school. It's not happening. So I had to quit the band and then I played in some other bands, did the dingies thing, so like that. And then eventually they came calling again and said, hey, our guitar player left or we kicked him out or whatever. All they asked me is said, Hey, can you come in and record on our new record? We hired so-and-so who was, a, I won't say his name, but it was a friend I knew. And they said he wasn't hacking it. He wasn't cutting it. And they wanted me to come in. I was like, all right. So I went in and recorded the record. And then they're like, Hey, how about you? How about you? Uh, we got some shows coming up. We don't have a full tour until like the fall but we've got a bunch of weekend dates. We're just, we call them fly like fly dates. Or you just fly out on a Friday, like Friday night, play a show Saturday, fly home Sunday kind of thing. Or sometimes you, you, you know, you fly out Saturday morning, play that night, play the next night and fly home Monday morning. Hmm. So I just did, I just did a bunch of those with them that spring and early summer. And then only about two or three weeks in, they're like, Hey, do you just want to, you just want to be back in the band? <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And that, that was the last time I dropped out of college. What was the difference yeah. then between you and your unnamed friend? Like, you know, what? Why were they like? Oh, yeah, Ethan's the one that we want. Was it skill set, character? What um, was the, the no? He, you know, he was a he was a great guitar player. I think it was just uh, aggressiveness on the instrument, like James described at the beginning of this episode. I I went in there and I play really hard, and the sound of that band was very energetic on record and, and live. We had really crazy live shows were just, it's just energy the whole time. And they want that on the record too. And so I went in like, I mean, they, they, they gave me a cassette tape of a bunch of demos. I think I had like a, a week or less to like learn everything, which I didn't have to know it perfectly. It's the studio. You haven't, you can do a million takes if you want, but I wanted to be prepared. So I just learned everything. And then this, the first day I got in there, they were like, I can't remember who it was. If it was Matt, the singer or Tony, the bass player, like, put their hand on me. They're like, Oh my God, we're so glad you can't, you're recording this. It sounds so much better. <laughs> and they played me what the other dude did. And it was, it was, it, it, it didn't sound good. I mean, mm. you can tell that like either he didn't care or if, and if he did care, it was just the fact that he was stylistically just a different player than me. And, and the way he played didn't fit what that band was doing. But I, I, I was the better fitting puzzle piece, I guess. Was there any decisions that you made along the way that you regret then that you're like, that was a terrible move? I don't think there's anything that I regretted like right as I made the decision. It would be more in hindsight, like, man, I should not have done that too or whatever. Like, for example, I, I, I just a few years ago, uh, three years ago almost, I uh, got the opportunity to actually go on tour with a reggae band, like legit reggae band where I was the only white dude on the tour. It was awesome. 
right? I, I, I got, I got to know these dudes and two of them actually moved to Nashville and I played on, uh, I played on one of their albums. They, I, I just got recommended as a studio guy, like, Hey, we need somebody in Nashville that can play like reggae stuff. And so someone gave him my name and I, I showed up at a studio. I did that. And then I played on something else they, they recorded. And then they asked me to go on tour. They were doing like this kind of stripped down acoustic tour. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. You know, it wasn't great money, but I didn't care. Cause I was like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to get to go on a reggae, like an actual reggae tour. This will be really awesome. It turned out to be an absolute nightmare of a tour. It was ter- terrible. I mean, like all the years and experience I've had, it was one of the most unprofessional, unorganized, terrible, terrible tours. And it was only three weeks long, which is short for me. And man, I mean, literally after like day two, I was like, I, sh- I should not have done this. And I almost left the tour, left the tour twice. Uh, it was terrible. The, the, the last show, I pa- I couldn't have packed up faster and gone to the hotel. I even upgraded myself to first class because there, there was like a deal. I remember I checked in for my flight. It was like, upgrade to first class for $35. I'm like, that's it? And I was like, I deserve this. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough to say like a full-on regret. I, I mean, it's I guess it's to me, regret sometimes are kind of like what could have been or what or what should have been. Yeah, I try not to dwell on that stuff too much because I think it would drive me crazy. Like, like I turned down an audition one time for this kind of rock country guy only because the demos that got sent to me for me to learn the songs for the audition weren't like the final versions. And I thought they were. And I thought, man, this is this is straight up pop music. Why is this guy going to want me? And I just I psyched myself out of it. And I called my friend and said, hey, I'm not going to do the audition. It's just I don't I already know I'm not going to be a good fit for this. Turned out later that like the dude, that guy is married to this other country girl who I also auditioned for. And he was in the room and asked my buddy, isn't that the guy who's going to audition for me? I'm like, man, we should have hired him. He looks cool. I was like, should it shouldn't have backed out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm mild. Yeah, I should have auditioned for sure. But I don't necessarily regret it. I don't know. I try not to try not to have too many regrets. I I feel like if you dwell on those for too long, it's just going to drive you mad. The reggae tour that was awful, though, if, if you look back, were there signs of how unprofessional that was before and you were just kind of blinded by reggae? No, man. I mean, there really wasn't any signs. I mean, day like day one, I was just like, what's going on? Hmm. Like literally a month ago, I was recording some songs with these dudes and the, everything was cool. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was, I mean, I remember calling my wife every day, just like telling her, oh, here's the next thing that happened today. Every day it was one thing after another, and I was and I was just like, my God, I can't believe I'm still on this thing. It's only three weeks long. It felt like three months. Here's a question: Then twenty plus years in the music industry, and we'll still we'll say you're still in there, even though it's on hold. Right? Yeah. I mean, I am. I have I've done a little bit of work locally, like for I've worked a few live stream events and uh, video shoots, yeah. and things like that. But so yes, I'm still okay. in the music industry. So what have you ever defined what success is to you in this space? Yeah, I may think about it a lot because I'm, you know, I'm often around a lot of people that are quote unquote more successful than me. For me personally, though, and I've always kind of felt like this, like, of course, it'd be amazing to land some kind of touring job where I'm playing guitar or drums for somebody for the next 20 years and I don't have to worry about money and everything's cool. You know, that would be great, of course. But I mean, to me, I mean, to me, I've already been successful. It's like I've done what I set out to do. Was it easy? No. Uh, have I been poor a lot? Yes. 
have I done well certain years? Yes. You know, um, like I said before, it's all ups and downs, but I didn't know that going in, but I figured it out pretty quick. And that's what I kind of would tell anybody that would start out in music is like, Hey, it's going to be really hard. And the, the, there's way more valleys than there are peaks in for most people, not for everybody, obviously. But, um, but yeah, man, for me, I don't know. I feel like I've, I'm still successful in a way, you know I mean? To me, success isn't always money, you know? Uh, I, to me, that, to me, that's a perk. That's a bonus to me personally. I feel like I achieved success because I wanted to go on the road. I wanted to make albums. I wanted to eventually write my own music and I wanted to work in the studio and I've done all that a ton, you know? And so to yeah. me, that's successful. You know, it's like, I don't drive a fancy car success, you know, nothing like that. I don't have a helicopter. On, a I've got two Vespas. I mean, yeah, oh. represent two rather yeah. No big, no big deal. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everyone's got a different definition of success, but uh, yeah, if I had to stop tomorrow doing this for some reason, I mean, I would be sad, you know, for sure, because I'm not ready. But I would definitely look back and be like, wow, that that was that was great. I had an amazing 20 plus years doing this, you know. But I still have to come back to Australia one more time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at least it's not finished yet. Yeah. That's right. So th- there are things that you do, um, Ethan, um, naturally that you probably don't recognize as being extraordinary. But like I, I think there'd be elements of the passion that you bring to the music, your preparedness when it comes to an audition. What are some of those daily tasks that you do that actually serve you the most? Man, that's real deep, man. Yes. <laughs> uh, I bring Karen. I know. I mean, I don't know. I think for me, I, I've always kind of had my – try to have my hand in a bunch of different things, which is why I play multiple instruments and can jump in and play multiple styles of music and do photography, you know, a lot of different creative outlets, I guess. But I mean, to me, it's just every day finding that little bit of passion to, to make you go down in your music room or, or grab your guitar or your camera or your paintbrush or something and, and keep practicing that creativity, you know, keep, keep exercising that muscle, so to speak, you know, I don't, I've never had like any kind of specific regimen on any of those things. I just, whatever I feel that day, it's like, I might, I might walk down here and grab that acoustic guitar or some days I might just grab a bass or sometimes I just sit down on the drums. I, I, however I'm feeling inspired, I guess is, is where I'll start. You know, if I'm like, if I grab a bass and plug it in and write a cool bass line and that sparks creativity and I feel inspired, then I just, you know, roll with that. You know, um, I don't know if that's the answer you were hoping for, but that's kind of, can I interpret what I heard then? Sure. And, and yeah. can we go to, because my interpretation of what you just said was you actually listen to the inspiration that's happening inside you yeah, and, and bring it out instead of just ignore it. I think a lot of us, even in like accountants or whatever, we just like, it's tempting sometimes to just ignore that stuff right? because you're too tired because whatever. But to actually listen to it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, even outside of, you know, playing an instrument, I mean, I'm, I have an obsession with music. I mean, that's, that's my addiction in life is music, you know, playing it, listening to it, buying it, um, collecting it, you know, it's, it's, uh, something I hope one day I will give to my niece and nephews and, you know, my whole record collection or whatever and instruments I'm like, Hey, now it's your turn. You, you know, you do it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a lover of music of you know, all kinds and uh, different formats. I mean, I mean, shoot, 
I have a Walkman right here. A friend gave me this Walkman and I repaired it so I could listen to the cassettes that I have. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's how geeky I am with music. It's it's silly, but it, it you know it brings me joy and bring and, you know and oftentimes it does bring inspiration. Silly yeah. things, silly things like that. I mean, I literally have a pile of Walkman belts right here that I ordered just because I need, I needed I needed one, <laughs> and they send you like fifty. But it's little things like that, you know. I start I started, and this is and this sounds I'm just gonna sound so silly to some people. But I started making mixtapes again for friends, and that's amazing. And 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 a, a, lot, a few of them that I've made are for my friends' kids who are getting into cassettes and Walkmans and stuff. And so, it, it's not only a, a, an inspiring thing for me to see someone young get into a cool format or just get into music in general, no matter what the format is, but for me to sit down in front of my record collection and my turntable and a cassette deck and sit there and make a specific mix for a certain person i'm sitting there listening i have to listen to every song all the way through i can't just it's like burning a cd where it goes really quick or making a playlist on spotify or something it's the old way of making a mix you know mixtape so sometimes that draws inspiration too like i'll spend two or three hours making a tape sometimes because i'm choosing the right records to you know what would he want to hear after this song and i'll put that on and yeah it's just i mean you know me a long time i mean that i was I was obsessed with music when you first met me. I've been this way since I picked up a guitar, I think, you know, and having grown up with a dad who had a record collection and had a bunch of guitars and, you know, uh, my mom was a photographer. So like, I kind of got all that dumped on me, you know, and I just, and kind of, cause you have a twin sister, right? Yep. That's who. Yeah. She lives out here and my younger sister still lives in California. Your, your twin sister, did she do any, the creative endeavors? Nope. <laughs> she an accountant? She's, Tell me she's an accountant. She's not an accountant. No, she works oh. at, she works at a, uh, a, a, a dermatologist where they, d- uh, do a lot of skin cancer stuff. No, she, 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 uh, lets me know all the time how mad she is that she didn't get any of the, uh, the, the creative genes, not creative, but like the mu- musical genes. So, so one of the things that's always fun when people talk about a long journey, uh, and maybe you haven't put any thought of this, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. But was there anything significant you? What's the most significant thing you've learned about yourself um, and your success? And I'm going to call it success because, like you're saying, 24 years of this is a success. Yeah. What's the most significant thing you learned about yourself on, on that journey? Shoot, I think probably that I have. I don't know that I, that I have this some kind of stamina to keep going. Maybe you're wanting something a little more deep or something, but I, I no, and not necessarily physical stamina. I mean, like mental stamina. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe yeah. even spiritual stamina. Just yeah, because you know this this kind of world isn't for everybody. You know, I mean, most bands in the world don't don't tour for this long. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, the Beatles only toured for six years. That they for different reasons they stopped touring. But I think that and just the fact that you know I'm I'm down for a challenge. You know, especially once I got into the teching world for being a guitar tech or a drum tech, I mean, it's a challenge. Every time you get a new job, it's a challenge. You have to learn, uh, you have to meet a whole bunch of new people, learn their personalities. You have to learn uh, how that person likes all their stuff set up and, and set and uh, worked on all that stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, so oftentimes I, I mean, I have to just jump in the deep end of the pool and just hope that I can swim, you know. So I, I, you know, yeah. I, so I've definitely learned that 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 I think I as, as nervous as I can get sometimes about jumping into something new. 
there's also something about it that, that kind of helps me to thrive in that scenario. Um, and then my personality helps too. I mean, <laughs> if I was like a grumpy dude, I, I probably wouldn't get hired that much, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and I've, I, you know, now that I'm, you know, talking about this more, I think another thing that I've probably learned is just, um, is just to slow down too and like appreciate things, you know, cause it's, it is a pretty fast paced life when you tour. I mean, you're in, for the most part in a different city every single day living out of a suitcase. And so to be able to be in a city and have a day off somewhere, like let's say, you know, Chicago or something, let's say Perth. And, um, you know, just to be able to like take the time to like get out of your hotel room, even, you know, get some rest, but get out of your, you know, get out of the, uh, kind of the, the, we get away from the job essentially, you know, get it out of your head and go do something cool. To me, those are the things on the road that like would give me, so much joy and like energy to keep moving forward and to keep going on, you know, and play the show that night or the next night, you know, rather than just like sitting, you know, laying down in a hotel room all day and just binge watching something on Netflix, you know, it's like that, that has its time and place for sure. You know, sometimes you're exhausted and you need, you need to have that, but I just like to, you know, I, I guess the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, what? I gotta, I gotta really enjoy this. Like it's the last time I'm going to tour just in case, you know? Hmm. And so, I would nowadays I'd hate to be in a city where I know people and be like, yeah, I'm just going to stay in my hotel room all day long. What, what can we promote? What have you got going on that we can promote to, to our listeners in general? I mean, if you want to check out any of my, my solo music, uh, the, I'd say the best place to go is, uh, is Bandcamp. I don't know if a lot of people down there use it or not, but just ethanluck.bandcamp.com. All my stuff's on all the other platforms, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and, Apple Music, all that stuff. You can find it just under my name, Ethan Luck. If you type that in, you'll find me. We'll put all the links on on this. As yeah, well, cool. So, people will be able to find it. so I want to leave you. If you had one piece of advice for people who want to do something in the creative realm, what would that be? Wow, that's a lot of pressure to end with. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> uh, be patient. Really, just be patient. Listen and learn and practice. Um, that's all one sentence, by the way. So that's one thing. There's a lot of commas in there. A lot of comments, yeah. But I mean, I, I really think, you know, patience is a huge part of it because, you know, people start doing anything creative and if the second they get the taste of any kind of success or attention or anything like that, it's like, it's just going dis- to, dis- it's going to be very distracting, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, in the creative world, not even music, I mean, in the arts in general, it's such an industry or world that is, I think very underappreciated a lot of times, uh, or even, um, undervalued, Mm -hmm. you know, um, people in the arts, anyone will tell you how many times they've been asked to do something for free. So it's like, you gotta be patient, you know, you gotta just work through all that stuff and you wouldn't go to your mechanic and be like, Hey man, can you do that for free this time? You know, but in the arts that happens in music and and all that stuff, it happens. I mean, happens to me like weekly i get emails to yeah. record on something like i don't have any money can you do this for me for free and sometimes if i know the person cool yeah of course but yeah, yeah. all that to say man just if you're getting if you're a creative person getting into any kind of art form music or painting or photography or whatever just yeah just just be patient because it takes time and it takes it just takes time <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to to hone in on your craft
Hey, Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really fun catching up, hearing your stories, uh, hearing some stuff about your journey. Uh, thanks for letting us uh, play one of your tracks from your last album, Let It Burn, as the outro. Um, if you like this track, if you want to check out more about Ethan and what he does in his career, make sure you Google him, search him. Go, but if you're going to get his music, get it from Bandcamp, not Spotify. Uh, Ethan, thank you for your time. And thanks you for letting us play this track. All right.
Thanks for listening to the Lead Different podcast. At Lead Different, we are building leaders worth following. And if you'd like to find out more information about this and leading yourself well, head to leaddifferent.org.